0: Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam. And Sarah. We Sarah will be a guest <laughs> today on today's episode. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be discussing some of our favorite sports romance books. We do want to put a trigger warning here for uh, some mention of abuse, non-con, and sexual trauma. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. Alright, so this week we are going to do the rundown of all of our favorite sports romances. We're going to do our best to keep the summaries on the quicker side because we have a lot of books that we want to get through. but. Regardless, hopefully you'll hear something that you haven't heard about before and have some new sports romances to add to your TBR. It is just Sarah and I this week because sports romances are not Ashley's jam. So it'll just be the two of us talking about all our favorite sports romances.
1: She doesn't read anything that's not reverse harem or monster at this point, I don't think.
0: (laughs) She has very specific tastes now. Uh, So we have... Uh, sorted all of these romances into sports categories. We're saving the best for last. So we will talk about all of our favorite hockey romances last, but we have plenty of other sports to get to before then. We are going to start off with baseball. The first book we're going to talk about is Dirty Curve by M. Brandy. This is a college baseball story And this book does have some mystery to it. You're trying to kind of figure out exactly what is going on with our female main character the entire time. Our main characters are Tobias and Meyer. Tobias is the star pitcher for the college baseball team. Meyer is a genius tutor who tutors all athletes who need help in order to pass their courses. Tobias is on the verge of failing three of his courses and needs to be able to play in order to be drafted. Um, There is some interesting plot uh points throughout this book there is some believability issues that I think really just need to be set to the side if you're going to like get full enjoyment of the story there's a lot of things that happen where I was like uh I don't think that's really (laughs) something that would happen in real life but at a certain point you just have to look at it as fiction and keep it moving if you want to enjoy the book
1: Yeah, and I think we both agree that it took a minute for us to like these characters. You know, Tobias comes off as kind of like an egotistical douche. Um, And Meyer kind of seems like a little stuck up and a little bitchy. Um, But I feel like once you get past like the 15-20% mark, you kind of start to see like the facade breaking down and who they really are. But like you said, there are a lot of things that uh, this shit is not happening in real life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I actually texted Sarah when I was reading. I was like, Tobias is fucking annoying. Like, he was under my skin immediately. I was kind of cool with Maya the entire time, probably because I could relate with her being, like, the smart girl who feels like she's being taken advantage of by this jock who just wants her to do all the work for him. And she obviously has a lot going on in her life that's clear from the start, and you get this peek into the fact that she has a child pretty early on in the story, but I just had a really difficult time believing this whole storyline of Tobias is going to go first round in the MLB draft, but he needs a tutor to help him. I think we're all aware of the fact that like really high-profile athletes in D1 sports are are not treated the same (laughs) as everyone else. So, like, the concept that, one, they would ever bench him because of his GPA is laughable, but, two, the idea that they wouldn't just pay someone to do his coursework for him is also (laughs) laughable. Like, this college, the way that all colleges, especially at the D1 level, treat athletes, they wouldn't ever risk him not being able to play. That's just not something that would happen.
1: Right. And on... Myer's side of things uh as someone who had a child at 20 uh she must have like a friend that has like absolutely no shit going on in her life because her friend (laughs) watches her kid like all of the time and she doesn't really have a babysitter and I'm like okay you're like going to school and you're working and your friend is staying with the kid most of the time uh it, it it was very confusing and I felt I felt really sorry for her too that she was going through this all alone um it, I, I was not alone so I can't imagine being having no support system some family there for you
0: yeah that was heartbreaking I so as you're making your way through Tobias absolutely becomes a lot more likable he really... Sticks it out and starts to see, like, what kind of person Meyer is and how he wants to get to know her more, and then when he finds out that she does have a kid, he, like, immediately falls in love with her daughter, and it's a really cute relationship between the two of them.
1: Yeah, and I'll give, like... Tobias was persistent as hell, but I do want to note in real life, like, no one likes that shit. Like, the guys who are persistent, you usually hate and, like, do not want them to be persistent at all. (laughs) But he was was very persistent. He did not give up on her. He was like, you're going to be my girl. I want to be your family. And it was, it was cute.
0: There's this ongoing mystery with the coach of the baseball team of like, is it, you, there, you know there's something deeper between the coach and Meyer, but you don't know if it's like, is it Meyer's estranged dad that like doesn't talk to her at all and is disappointed in her life choices or is something else going on with Meyer and the coach that like there's this bad blood between them now. And that kind of mystery persists throughout the entire story up until, like, you get to the climax of the story. Um, I I just have a lot of believability issues with the plot overall. I really couldn't wrap my head around the coach's motivation in the story. I didn't understand exactly, like, why he was being such a complete asshole to Meyer the entire time. Like... He's constantly holding the fact that he's paying her tuition over her head, and then he lies to Tobias about the fact that Meyer is getting better rates of pay when Tobias is working with her versus other athletes. And then Tobias takes up all her time so she can get paid more, and then that's not actually the case. So she's barely getting paid anything, and she's working a second job. And it's like you feel awful for her, and then you're looking at the coach like – what the fuck is your problem, dude? Like, why are you treating this 20-year-old this way when she's, like, done nothing to you?
1: Yeah, and like like you said, like, it's hard to believe that someone who is so smart was so easily manipulated, you know, by this douchebag. Uh, But, you know, we do get a happy ending, and uh, I don't really remember much of the spice in this book, and I do have, like, one other thing to say, and that's, I feel like I didn't really describe her body though he kept mentioning her curves but not really yeah like i I wanted her to be like curvy curvy but like it seemed like semi curvy
0: i feel like that's kind of like a cop-out that a lot of authors do where they're like they want their leading ladies to have some curves but they don't want to like actually describe them as being plus size so they're just like she's curvy but also has a flat stomach and like She's actually Kim Kardashian in
1: disguise. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the next book uh, is one that I have read. I think you would enjoy this one, Sam. But I know you had to read a lot of sports romance for this episode, <laughs> and you're kind of sports romance out. Um, and that's the Perfect Catch by Megan Quinn. I read this a while ago and really loved it. This is professional baseball. Um, it's a grumpy sunshine, which is one of my favorite tropes. Yeah, girl. He is kind of the dick of the team. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a lot of friends, but he's great at what he does. But he's kind of in a lull in where he is athletically and they think he feels like he's going to get traded soon. And the team is like, Hey, we need to fix your image. You're an a-hole. So come and meet this our PR lady. And she's going to help with, you know, doing charity work. And at first they don't get along and then they start really getting along because she does everything to try and make him happy. But of course there is a no fraternity, fraternization policy on the team and if it happens, one of them would likely lose their job. Uh, but they can't stay away from each other and they decide we're gonna spend one night together and we're gonna get out out of our system. But of course, that does not happen. It never does um it has great tension between the two characters and it's just like months of them towing this line of, I really want to be with you, but we can't. And then they finally do it. And then they're both just like longing for each other. Um, and it's exciting how they both made each other's lives better after the fact when they do get their happy ending. So it's oh. really cute.
0: Do we, I've never worked in a place where there's actually like a no fraternization policy. Is that like a thing that actually exists?
1: I do don't know like everywhere i've worked people have been married yeah uh-huh. and i don't know i mean i can see how it can cause issues i would mm-hmm. imagine you know there could be policies when it's like uh, i mean i work for a relatively large you know i work in corporate america people uh but i don't know <laughs> i definitely think there's something things going on on the side like i, I definitely think there's people fretting and up in there <laughs>
0: Alright, so those were our two recommendations for baseball. Moving right along to football, starting strong with The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. I love Mariana Zapata's books. There has not been a single Mariana Zapata book that has not made me cry like a goddamn baby while I'm reading it, and she's just the queen of slow burn. We love her so much.
1: And when we say slow burn, we mean slow burn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are not seeing any peeing until like 90% or so. <laughs> so like if you can, and, and, I, and these books are like 500, 600 pages.
0: Yeah. They're chunky bitches.
1: And this one is her top selling book uh, out of everything. Um, and the tension in this book is just off the fucking Richter scale. <laughs> it's so good.
0: Uh, So this book follows our female main character, Vanessa, who is a PA for massive tight end Aiden Graves. He really just treats her badly when she's working for him. Not like he's rude to her but he just kind of acts like she doesn't exist um he's kind of famous for being the guy who like doesn't talk to anyone who's just like this absolute wall of silence in a room and there comes a point in time where she has told Aiden that she's ready to, like, move on and start her own business, and he doesn't give her, like, any reaction to that, which she's, like, fine, okay, I'm going to stick around until you find someone to replace me. And then she's eavesdropping on a conversation between Aiden and his manager, and Aiden's manager makes a shitty comment about her weight and her appearance, and Aiden says nothing. He doesn't stick up for her at all. He just doesn't say a word and she storms out of there tells them both to fuck off gives them the middle finger and I love that for her so much I was like yes girl stand up for yourself know your worth
1: I was cheering so hard during that scene I was like hell yeah get the hell out of there he just he just didn't care like I can't the job of being a personal assistant is one that requires so much time and energy. She went beyond and beyond for him, and he never even gave her, like, a gift or says thank you or hello. She was She was over it. I was so ready for her to go.
0: Like, she talks about how they would be traveling on her birthday and on Christmas and, like, He would never say a word to her about any of it. And uh, it just made me feel awful for her. She was so underappreciated.
1: Yeah. And it, it really set the bar of like, hey, we don't like Aiden. Aiden is kind of a dick.
0: I was so mad at him. I was so proud of her when she walked out. And then a few weeks later, here's Aiden sitting on the curb outside her apartment, waiting for her to get home. And Aiden wants her to come back. He misses her, not missing her as a person, misses what she does for him. And it takes him a minute to realize that the way he's going about it is not going to get him what he wants. So Aiden finally confides in her that he is Canadian, which she knows, but that his uh, visa is expiring because he is a work visa. And in order to renew his work visa, he would have to basically commit to more time with his team, and he's not sure if he wants to stay with that team. So he has a better idea, and that idea is to marry a U.S. citizen so that he could qualify for a green card. And he wants to marry our wonderful Vanessa. And Vanessa takes a while to actually come around to this idea. She at first is like, hell no, absolutely not. But then he kind of sweetens the pot and says we would be married for five years, and at the end of those five years, he would pay off her student loans and buy her a house. And honestly, I would marry that man <laughs> if he was offering that to me.
1: I would, too. And and he was like, she was like, why do you want to marry me? And he's just like, well, you don't annoy me. That's like all he could give her. Yep. Is that just like... I can't tolerate anyone, but I seem to be able to tolerate you just a little bit. Um, and <laughs> our girl Van really messed up, man. She went to a top tier school uh, and she came with it. She comes from a family with very little money. So her student debt is around the quarter of a million mark. Um, so it's just been eating away at her at how the hell she's going to pay off this debt. Um, and that's what finally does it. And she's like, I got to get this paid off. And all I got to do is live here. And it's an upgrade because she lives in a shitty apartment. Um, the and she P. gets was, in Like crack dealers. <laughs> floor of the apartment. And she's like, yeah, I know. Leave them
0: alone. Like, don't say anything to them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, you live here? And she's like, yeah. You know what you used to pay me, right? <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. I So she obviously agrees. She moves into Aiden's house, and Aiden actually shares a house with uh, one of the other football players on his team. She's besties with the other football player, and I love their friendship so much. They support one another so much because both of them are kind of going through tough times simultaneously, and he is just so wonderful for her. He helps to, like stand up to Aiden sometimes when she needs some additional support there when he's just like, Aiden, you're being an asshole. Like, stop. And, and also, he just helps to, like, help her work through her emotions and supports her as she's training for a marathon, and he's just so wonderful.
1: Yeah, and Van has, uh, was it her hip or her, her leg that was injured?
0: Uh, It was her leg when her, she was hit by a car.
1: By a family member. Um, and so that's what got her all into the marathon running, which she lost a bunch of weight. Um, and she was just tired of kind of living with this hindrance in her life. Um, and her family is just kind of garbage. Uh, it sounds like her mom was on drugs when she had a lot of her siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes along with a lot of mental issues, uh, which we can clearly see. Um And Van and Aiden just, like, it slowly progresses. It's like, Aiden, you hurt my feelings. And he doesn't understand how he hurt her feelings. And then he tries to do better. And I think, like, the serious turning point for me is when he goes to uh, her brother's basketball game. And they were, like, all snuggly up in the stands and having a great old time and her psycho sister and brother-in-law show up and one of them put their hands on Vanessa and he said if you touch my wife again I will break every bone in your body and I was like yes uh we love we
0: love it so much she has the thing that breaks my heart throughout the story is whenever he does anything like semi-decent she's like so grateful and he's like slowly realizing like Uh, I must have been such a shit person if she's, like, so grateful for this small thing that I'm doing. And it's so great to see, like, that character development from him throughout. It's a great scene where she remembers that in his, all of his interviews, he used to always say that if he had more time, he would get a puppy. So she gets him a puppy for Christmas, and he's so... Happy, like he can't even wrap his mind around everything that's happening. Like he's so sh- like shell shocked by her handing him a puppy, and it's the cutest
1: scene. I feel like that was the moment for Aiden when he really realized he was in love with her. um mm-hmm. Because he's definitely emotionally stunted, and I will say, like the part of this was okay. Two parts of this were really unbelievable for me. How is a man that big? vegan (laughs) but I guess dinosaurs were vegan so it's possible (laughs) number two he he was saying like he was not having like any sex like all this time Mm -hmm. like no one Mm -hmm. people have needs man like you're like you don't need to be you can be really emotionally stunted and still get it in (laughs) Uh,
0: I I was kind of fine with his lack of sex. I felt like that just kind of fit him as a character because he, he was so put off by any emotional connection that unless he was, like, hiring in sex workers to come and help him out, I don't see him, like, going through the actual effort of getting to know anyone to get to that point.
1: We totally forgot about your favorite part, Sam, when they're crying during the movie together. Oh, God for land before time
0: (laughs) she puts in land before time and they're both sitting there crying on the couch and it's the cutest scene oh i love them so much oh
1: and she's afraid was she afraid of the dark or yes uh, she was
0: afraid of the dark because her sisters locked her in a closet when she was a child for several days
1: and he gets her like all these like night lights and flashlights and stays the night in her bedroom with her. They're just really two people who both needed someone to put them first, mm-hmm. um, and they were able to do that with each other. And like I said, slow burn. I was like, I was like, we are at ninety four percent. Where is the dick? <laughs> we we got it, but it took a while.
0: Uh, It has like the best profession of love scene where she's finishing the marathon. She doesn't expect him to be there. She thinks he's in Colorado and he's at the finish line waiting for her. And it's just, oh, it's the best scene ever. It's so satisfying. It's such a great way to like wrap up the story.
1: I love their epilogue too. That was a good epilogue.
0: It was. It was so cute.
1: Uh, (sighs) So Another football read that I read was The, the Third Best Thing by uh, Maya Hughes. And this is a series. I think there's four or five of them. This is the only one i read. I might read more. I'm not sure. So we have a plus-size female main character who bakes and has a stripper pole in her room. Love which I, I loved that. Um, and a star football player in college. Um, And they are across the street neighbors from each other. And she has been in love with him for like the longest time. And she starts leaving him anonymous love notes. Um, And at a certain point he's enlists her to help him find out who is leaving these notes, uh, which she does not fess up to (laughs) until like the very end. And the fact that he didn't figure it out was just like ridiculous, but (laughs) besides that they fall in love in this search she is plus size which i loved but sometimes her absolute lack of any confidence brought down the book for me Mm -hmm. i can see why she didn't she has a really horrible mother who like was constantly comparing her to her sister and talking about her weight um but you know it was just like she couldn't even fathom why anyone would like her like this she was so 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 self-conscious um you just wanted her to have like some confidence to go out there yeah um however it was really cute and I loved how much Burke was into her um and he never even really mentioned her weight he just said like how great her tits were um so like I I really didn't get a concept of how big she was either you know like it was also, I think, that she thought she was bigger than she actually was, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really sad, because she did, uh, like, a online segment where she was baking with this famous baker. Um, and Burke came and kissed her on the cheek. And the things that girls were saying to her online were absolutely horrific. And calling her, like, the Pillsbury Dough Girl and stuff like that. It was just so mean. Um, and... He also risked uh, not going to the NFL because he talked to an agent too early for, like, a silly, stupid amount of money, like $3,000, which didn't make any sense. But it was cute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those were our football suggestions. Moving on to the one and only figure skating suggestion, of course, another Mariana Zapata from lukov with love this story follows our female main character jasmine who is a professional pairs figure skater who was recently dumped by her pairs partner and is now feeling adrift and lost as she tries to figure out what she's going to do uh is approached by ivan lukov and his manager who is one of the most decorated pair skaters in the world and who she famously does not get along with to be his new partner and our story kicks off from there and Jasmine oh. is
1: best friends with his sister. So they've known each other for, what, like 15 plus years? They've uh-huh. known each other a long time. Um, and they are just mean as shit to each other. They're so mean. <laughs> uh, he calls her meatball. <laughs> she calls him idiot, stupid. <laughs> Call, calls him everything under the sun. They're
0: not nice to each other. But <laughs> it's just... It's such a cute story of not only Jasmine finding herself, but also her just, like, slowly realizing over the course of the book, like, hey, Ivan's been in love with you for, like, years, and you're a dummy because you didn't realize it.
1: Like, he's been so in love with her for so long, and it's just, like, such an aggressive love. Like, it's like Italian love. It's like, shut up. I love you. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it, and she's like that with everybody. She kind of has this reputation of being a bitch when she's really not. She sticks up for herself and she doesn't take shit from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know we talked about this, Sam. We wish, like, we would pay money to make this a dual POV because... Uh. I could just imagine just Ivan, like, simping over Jasmine this whole time, and Jasmine's like, your costume's fucking ugly. <laughs> like, and I hate I you. <laughs> just
0: heartbroken. God, I want, and I know, Sarah told me that Mariana said she's never going to write dual POV, which just breaks my heart, because all I want in this
1: world is to know what these men are thinking. She writes them so well, and, and most of the time, they're, like... She does such a good job of making you dislike them at first, and then you slowly fall in love with them just like the main character does. And you're like, this fool's been in love with her this whole time.
0: (laughs) So this story not only focuses a lot on Jasmine and Ivan, but it focuses a lot on Jasmine's family who she's felt really separated from as she's been devoting her life to figure skating and as she's taken a step back from figure skating she spent a lot more time with her family and she's realized how much she's missed out on jasmine is dealing with a lot of feelings of her feeling as though she's been selfish And has been just focused on her own desires while at the same time feeling like she's not good enough for anyone in her family. She says in the story that, like, she's no one's favorite. Like, everyone in her family has a favorite and she's no one's. And that's, like, so heartbreaking. Like, I – that just resonated with me of, like, feeling like you're not good enough to be anyone's most important person. And this really rings true, especially when you're looking at her relationship with her dad – uh her dad is just so disappointed in her choosing to be a figure skater and he doesn't see like the value in what she does and there's a scene where ivan is sticking up for her at dinner and it made me cry so much because it was like she finally had feels like she has someone in her corner and uh it was heartbreaking
1: It, it was also super heartbreaking when her and her dad talked later and her dad was like you know i love you right and she didn't say anything like could you imagine that happening in real life my god like as a parent realizing that the way you have treated your child made them think that you don't love them oh my gosh It's so sad uh something you also
0: find out about ivan throughout the story is that he has a million pets (laughs) and i love it so much he has like this car full of dogs he has a pig at home He, at a certain point, Jasmine gets really sick, and Ivan takes her to his house to take care of her, and you just get introduced to all of his animals all at once, and it's so cute. It just adds another dimension to Ivan's character, and it just makes you love him so much more.
1: Yeah, and the fact that he just does not let people in like that. Uh, So how special... Um, Jasmine is to him because he doesn't really let anybody else get that close and I also think it's so funny that clearly both of the families realized like you two are in love with each other uh-huh. like stop being so stupid like Ivan's mom basically was like you're gonna be my future daughter-in-law yes. drink this drink this vodka orange juice it's gonna make <laughs> you feel better because they're Russian of course uh, I loved
0: Ivan's mom Ivan's mom was really just like Yes, you my son has been in love with you for years like she just casually drops the fact that once Jasmine's decided to start doing pairs like Ivan was just waiting around for her to want to be pairs with him and it just like broke my heart of she Ivan has just loved her for so long and she has no idea what's going on.
1: I gotta say, I don't know how I feel about the move of him telling her that he loves her right before they're competing. Like, they're on the ice in the middle, about to compete, and he's like, I love you. And she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, you do?
0: Oh god, I love them so much. This honestly might be my favorite Mariana Zapata book. I loved them. Like it was so satisfying. They had such great banter. I loved like like Sarah was saying, the aggressive love of like the I love you, you idiot. Like it's it hit all the right notes for me. I loved this book so much.
1: You know, the only thing I wish we got more of is we didn't really get a lot of descriptions of them skating together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like the competition was cut really short. Like she didn't describe, you know, I I feel like there wasn't a lot of description of them actually like skating at an actual competition together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, this is like, this is a slow burn. I mean, her other ones are slow burns, but I mean, it was like a hundred pages of two days. Yeah. It's a slow burn guys.
0: I think if any of her books were to be made into a movie, I'd want to see this one the most. Plus, I feel like this one would be great visually with all the figure skating and like the elements of them growing up together. Like, you can just picture all of this taking place in a movie.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, God. Ivan sounds so hot.
0: I know. And plus, he's Russian. So, you know, that hits all the right notes for you. Check, check. <laughs> All right, moving right along. We are moving on to basketball. Um, Our one basketball recommendation is Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan.
1: Uh, Basketball is probably the sport that I know the least about, so I was hesitant to read this, but I absolutely love this book, and I plan on reading more in this series. This is definitely one of the darkest sports romance sports romances i have read so you just need to know that going into this story because i usually go to sports romance like i would an alien book like sports romance gives you that like super cute gooey feeling Mm -hmm. this book does not
0: no it doesn't so sarah warned me ahead of time that this was a really dark book and she's a 100 percent right so this story uh follows our female main character iris as she navigates a dark and dangerous relationship with a professional basketball player. She meets August and instantly feels a connection with him, but she is trapped in her situation for so many reasons and has a very hard time getting out. Um, This series, well, not the series, this book, um, I haven't read anything else in the series, but this book really could be very triggering for anyone who has any triggers related to um, abuse of any kind they're pretty much anything you could imagine in terms of an abusive relationship is described in this book so just keep that in mind before you jump into it
1: yeah so iris's boyfriend uh, is also a professional basketball player him and august have been rivals for forever um, and iris doesn't really know how she feels about her boyfriend. He wants different things from life. He wants to get married, have kids. She really wants to go be a sports. Repo- Does she want to be a sports agent or a sports reporter? I can't remember. Uh, she wants.
0: Basically, she wants to get into sports marketing. Mm. So she would. She wants to work for an agency on the marketing side.
1: So that's what she wants in life, and this motherfucker traps her with a baby. He definitely poked a hole in a condom. Like, I would. I was so mad. That was like step one. You knew she did not get pregnant on purpose, and she decided to go through with the pregnancy. And the pregnancy was not easy. She was put on bed rest, so she couldn't even go and start the job that she mm-hmm. got. Um, and I hate. I, I'm gonna say it, Sam. We were like, say it. Is, <laughs> Saying <laughs> we were like, we don't want this baby to happen. We Listen, were just like...
0: <laughs> we are firmly pro choice on this podcast, and obviously, it was Iris's decision, fictional Iris. But put me in that situation, that baby's not happening. I'm just saying that
1: I know, and I, I like, I was just like, oh, I, she, you know, but she made her choice, um, and it was the wrong choice. Um, she definitely dealt with some postpartum depression. Uh, she didn't connect with the baby right away. He is not a good dad. Um, mm-hmm. And I forget what, and and throughout this time period, so it's what, about two years. Um, and this is, you know, they have just been starting their lives. They just got out of college and they're all just starting to play professionally. And she's run into August a couple of times. And it sounds really uncomfortable, but there was this one scene where she was breastfeeding her baby in the nursing room and August was in there and it was just like the sweetest encounter. Mm. August is just like the sweetest man. And he has just been thinking about her all of this time um, because they just had such an instant connection. And he was just so sweet to her and was just like, if you feel this way, like you need to check in medication and therapist, and no one else in her life was telling her that. Um, and she was just in a, like I, I felt so bad for iris and she just didn't have a good support system family wise either so she was just stuck she i feel like
0: the this author kennedy ryan did a fantastic job of illustrating so many uh abusive relationships and how they start the most abusive relationships don't start out with the physical abuse that so many people would picture they really start out with the control and we see iris's boyfriend trapping her into this relationship where he has control over every single aspect of her life he owns the house he owns the cars he has control over all of her credit cards he is in charge of her cell phone he has put himself in this position where he is able to lord this control over her and then once she starts to push back because he's continuing to take these steps towards putting hands on her and when he finally does and she goes to leave he really flexes that muscle of control of i'm going to report the card stolen i'm going to say that you're kidnapping my child i am going to shut off your phone i am going to Uh, make sure that all of the cards are canceled. All of these things are put into place all at once, and it's just demonstrated to Iris how little control she has in her life. And it really just becomes really clear to her that she's going to have to save herself from this situation, and it takes a while for her to wrap her head around how she could possibly get both herself and her daughter away from this man.
1: And it just goes to show, too, how well women can hide abuse because she didn't go out in public very often uh but her boyfriend went on a trip to china and she was volunteering for the basketball team and that's where she runs into august again uh which he might have had a little hand in so that he could see her again um and he can he knows something is wrong but he doesn't know exactly what is wrong Because she hints around it. She's like, I can't leave. Um, And he just doesn't get it. Um, But then the abuse gets pretty horrific. The things that he does to her are terrible. Um, And he has a... I think it's his cousin who is a doctor, he mm-hmm. has something over him and he basically sends him over to take care of her. I mean, he he rapes her, um, he brutally beats her. Um, and at that point, that's when she's able to finally get herself out when he has beaten her so horrifically. Um, oh, and he hires a bodyguard who is just like just watching him abuse her and is just like a part of this whole thing. So of course she doesn't trust any sort of security because mm-hmm. this man is just watching her be abused.
0: Oh, it is an absolutely heartbreaking story. It does have a happy ending. Um, she, once she is able to separate herself from the relationship, she spends some time with her great grandmother down in Louisiana. Uh, she talks a lot about her roots. Um, she's originally from uh, New Orleans, the ninth ward and she Her grandmother lives in like the bayou and she her grandmother is a practitioner of uh, voodoo. I do want to keep in mind as we're talking about anything to do with voodoo that voodoo is a closed practice that it is something that is taken very seriously from those who do practice it. It is a religion to many who practice it. And I want to make sure that uh, if we're talking about it, that we're giving it like the reverence and respect that it deserves. Um, and it seems like Kennedy Ryan did do a good job of like treating it with the respect that it deserved in this book with how it's represented with both her cousin and her great-grandmother. But it's really – her great-grandmother helps her heal in a lot of ways. And it's a, a lot of really beautiful scenes of her – taking the time to come to terms with what has happened to her and move on from those uh, traumatic instances.
1: And then once her grandmother passes, uh, she does find a marketing job. And it just so happens to be a company that August is a partner in, um, and she's moving out there. And it just so happens that she gets a really nice apartment. And all of <laughs> a sudden, the company has childcare. care. Um, I just love how he handled all of that. Um, and he was so sweet with her daughter. Like, he was like, you're mine. Like, pretty yes. early on. He Instantly. Was like, I, he was like, I, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. Um, and it was, it almost made me cry uh, when August saw her police report file for the first mm. time. Um, that was really, I mean, he was devastated for multiple reasons, devastated that he didn't know what was going on and devastated that she had to go through all of this. Um, but they do have a happy and it's such a satisfying, happy ending because they both deserved it so much.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a nice ending to the story, but I, I think this is absolutely a great read just if you can emotionally handle it, because I don't want to put anyone into a place where they go into a dark place emotionally because of a book that they read. Just prepare yourself, and if you feel like you're in a good place for it, pick it up, because it is a fantastic read.
1: And I definitely think I'm going to read the second one, because I loved her cousin, Um, and I believe that her uh, second book is around the cousin and that one player who is like... Uh, is your cousin around? Why do you care? No reason. I'm no not reason. interested in her. <laughs> do you do you want me to mention you to her? No. Don't talk, don't talk about me to her. <laughs> so, I loved her cousin. You know, her cousin everyone has had that person in their life where they're trying to help them make the right decisions. Um and Iris wasn't making those decisions, and her cousin got frustrated with her. Um, and they just kind of slowly drifted apart. But the second Iris needed her cousin, she jumped in her car and picked her ass up. It wasn't even her car, it was her roommate's car. <laughs> she, she's like, I got you, girl. Like,
0: you were. I loved that. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving right along. We have a soccer recommendation that is from the queen, Mariana Zapata. says, culty. Uh Culty is a soccer sports romance centered around our female main character, Sal, where the female main character is the athlete for once. That almost never happens. Um, and the man she idolized her entire life has become a new assistant coach on her team, and his name is Reiner Culti. And... By idolized, we're talking, like, she had posters of him throughout her entire room. She would kiss the poster, goodnight. She was convinced she was going to marry him. Like, it was, like, full-on childhood infatuation. And then this man that she's idolized for such a long time is now the assistant coach on her team.
1: So, I'm just going to throw this out there. The posters that I had in my room were Lance Bass and Ricky Martin. And I don't know what that (laughs) says about me, but... (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. I had Ricky Martin Valentine's and everything. Your, your gaydar was way off. Way, way off. Um, so Colty joins the team. He doesn't really have any friends after retiring from soccer. Um, and he is really in this downward spiral of depression and self-loathing, which I think is a very common thing that we see when athletes need to leave the sport that they love. Um, and Sal is really one of the best in soccer. Um, but she's pretty much really underappreciated. A lot of shitty circumstances have happened where she can't be on the U S team. Um, and we later find out that he specifically chose to coach for her. Mm. Um, but it definitely starts off as a push and pull between these two. She calls him out on being an asshole, and he, like, is so hard on her during practice. Um, and he, as soon as he hurt her dad's feelings, oh, she lost her shit. I she, do love how he makes it up to her
0: dad, though, by sending him that package oh, in the mail. I and do. Oh.
1: And her dad, like, (laughs) she brings him around, and her dad can, like, not even talk (laughs) to him because he, like, loves him so much. He's playing
0: telephone. He's like, Sal, tell tell him this for
1: me. (laughs) And he's sitting right next to her. (laughs) It's so cute. And the one kind of plot hole i thought was that culty had injured her brother who was a professional soccer player i feel like it was played up but nothing really happened you know i
0: I wanted like a confrontation there
1: yeah like i thought like oh he would meet the brother again and there would be a confrontation and they would like forgive each other but it just kind of nothing came out of it um but in, in the in the like I feel like Culty falls in love with her, like, really freaking early on. Like, and she has no clue. Like, she is, like, the first one to really pull him out of his funk. And she's like, do you want to play soccer with me? And he hasn't played soccer in, like, so long. And from what I, like, pictured in my head, like, how aggressive he was, even though he's, like, a foot taller than her. um, And she invites him to softball.
0: And then... So there were these assholes on the softball team, and they, like, intentionally step on Sal while she's, like, sliding into a base and, like, injure her uh, calf because, like, your calf muscles are not meant to be stepped on with cleats. That doesn't work well. Um, and so Culty gets so fucking angry and is, like, ready to fight these guys because they hurt Sal. And it's like, that's when you really knew, oh, this guy's, like, all in on her.
1: Yeah, like, and she is so clueless. He really This girl, is. she is so, so, so clueless. Like, he's like, yeah, what are you doing for the break? And she's like, oh, I'm going home for, you know, I, I forget what holiday it was. Um, And he was like, well, I'm going to go get a tattoo in Austin. Can you drive me? <laughs> like... She didn't think, oh, he wants to spend four days with me in my family's home and not get a hotel. <laughs> like, this doesn't add up. He's so in love with
0: you. He's just constantly inviting himself along. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to show up at your apartment and make myself at home here. I'm going to go with you to your parents' house. Like, he is like the the guy who's just there all the time. And like, you are like, oh. Maybe I am in love with him because he's just constantly here. Can we talk about Mariana Zapata, queen of the slow burn and queen of weird nicknames? We talked about Meatball and from Look Off With Love. In this story, my man is calling her a snail in German. I'm sitting here like, oh, what is this cute name that he has for her in German? Pulling on over to Google Translate, what do I find? Oh, he's calling her a snail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it it was it was cute though and I you know what scene I love the most she was like yeah like I volunteer my time for teaching these kids soccer and he's like well what do you need me to do she's like oh if you can show up no big deal he shows up with like a truck of like his brand of shoes for like these unfortunate kids and brings like three other like super high profile professional uh soccer players and he gets I like it. He got so... She was just like, why is he being such an asshole? It's because he's jealous, sweetheart. And she just had no clue. None. And she said poop way too much. Oh my god, she says poop constantly. (laughs) Uh. The the poop was too much. Um, I think out of all of my Mariana reads, this one was my least favorite. It was still good. Mm -hmm. Um but not my favorite. I I liked culty. I don't think Sal was my favorite. I think Sal was just kind of dumb sometimes.
0: (laughs) Moving right along, we are wrapping up with the best sports romances, and that is hockey. Really, hockey is what got Sarah and I into sports romances in the first place, and the star crowning jewel of all of the hockey romances is of course the off-campus series by l kennedy we love these books so much sarah tell us about the off-campus series
1: yeah so there are five books in this series um and as a whole i recommend them however we definitely do have favorites um out of the five the first book the deal Hands down. That one is $0 on Amazon, my friends. Uh, this is not a Kindle Unlimited read. Um, the deal, which is uh, Garrett and Wellesley, and then the score, which is Dean and Ally, And I think we both agree that we are Dean simps. Oh, I love Dean.
0: I think my love is equally split between Dean and Garrett, though. Like, those are two my two absolute faves. Everyone else just falls by the wayside.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. these are, are why we got into sports romance, because you read it, and it gives you that gooey, so cute, so sweet, a semi-slow burn, you know, most of the time you're not going to get anything into, like, 50 60%, mm-hmm. um, and these boys are so sweet, which is, like, obviously fiction, because I dated half the men's volleyball team in college, <laughs> and they were all dicks, so... They were all
0: terrible, I can say this from a 1st experience.
1: That's why no one's writing college men's volleyball, because, like, they can't even think about it. But I, was a, I was a giant hunter then. Listen, bad times. Anyway, <laughs> the deal is the staple of absolute fucking cuteness. Wellesley and Garrett are just, like, when you think of people being soulmates, that's what oh. it, it is. Like... Garrett is big time hockey guy like he is going to go into the NHL um, and he is struggling in this class and Wellesley is doing amazing and he wants a tutor and she like declines him so many times so many times she's like no I don't want to help you but she does kind of have a crush on this football guy and Garrett's like listen I will help you get his attention if you help me tutor and so they come up with this deal and they slowly become friends where they can joke with each other and Garrett's Garrett's a little bit of a man horror. Um <laughs> and Wellesley has really only had one boyfriend and she has some past sexual trauma. And the way that this is handled in this book was just so well done and so sweet. Mm hmm. And it was, then it was
0: honestly perfect. It like, like you,
1: the, the way it was handled was was great, and she was like she has a fear, like she can't orgasm with anyone. She can't relax her mind enough, um, and he helps her with that. Oh, and then, uh, Garrett's dad is a complete jerk off. The worst. Um, basically blackmails Welzy, and she breaks up with him. And Garrett's just like, that's not gonna happen. So he spreads around the entire college that there's a hands-off ban. No <laughs> one is allowed to touch Wellesley or he's going to beat the shit out of you.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I love them so much. Uh, Dean and Allie have such a cute love story. Allie is actually uh, Wellesley's best friend, um, and that's how they really get to know each other. And Dean is an even bigger playboy than Garrett was. And... Slowly over time, he's realizing that, like, he wants to have what his best friends have. He wants to have a relationship. And Allie is just constantly on his brain once they hook up the one time. And they just slowly become obsessed with one another. And there's this really cute scene where Allie's really upset because of something that happened with her ex and Hannah and Garrett are both trying to like comfort her and she's like no I want Dean and at this point their relationship was like a complete secret and they're like what the fuck why does she want Dean (laughs) and then Dean comes like bursting into the room ready to save her and be there for her and it's so cute
1: and let's not forget the best scene in this book they were in the bathtub together and her dildo's name is Winston, and they had the dildo on the side of the tub, and Dean's roommate comes home, and she, this dumbass, jumps out of the tub and hides behind the door, and the roommate is like, Dean, why do you have a pink dildo? And he did not rat on her, but he got made fun of so hard. Like, forever for having a dildo.
0: I do love the boys' friendship. The boys' friendship throughout this series is, like, one of my favorite parts. They're so great.
1: Yeah, and and the goal is good. That's Logan's book. Um, It's just really not as memorable. Um, No, Logan is boring. Logan is kind of boring. Um, And then the mistake, Tucker is everything. Uh, Like, I would lay down my life for Tucker but Sabrina was so fucking annoying that she really Ugh. brought that shit down.
0: She really brought that whole book down. Um, I didn't read Briar U, which is the follow-up also by L. Kennedy, but Sarah has. What are your thoughts on Briar U,
1: Sarah? Briar U is not as good as off-campus. Um, really, out of those four books, I would really recommend the first one, uh, which is The Chase, which is Summer, Dean's Little Sister, and Fitzy. Who is this hot tattooed nerd who plays hockey like mm. are you kidding me he has issues with her being so outgoing because his parents got divorced and they were constantly fighting over him um so he just doesn't like to be the center of attention and summer is like larger than life um And Summer has a learning disability, and she's really hard on herself, and she calls herself stupid. Um, And one day, she's trying to write this paper, and none of it's making sense, and they're not even together at this point. And she's just, like, on the floor of her room crying, and he comes in and, like, puts her on her lap and just tells her, like, how worthy she is. Yeah. Those two were cute. The other ones are good, um, but they just don't, they don't light a candle to the off-campus series. They just, they just don't. I'm sorry. (laughs) And The Legacy was a money grab. That's Mm. all it was. I, honestly, it's funny because out of the stories in The Legacy, I probably like Tucker's and Sabrina's the most.
0: (laughs) Uh, I still haven't read it. You haven't
1: read it? So that, that, like, goes, like, on their honeymoon, and, like, anything that could go fucking wrong on a honeymoon went wrong. Like, she gets hit by, like, a coconut (laughs) off of a tree, (laughs) and, like, he gets stung by a jellyfish. Like, the plane, like, has a horrific landing. Like, anything that could go wrong. A lot of the other ones, I just... It was just basically, like, an extended epilogue. Yeah. you know, I could have done without it and I would have been fine. Uh, but I do know The Deal and The Chase are both free on Amazon. Um, and those are probably the best books out of the series. And I would say the score, too. And you really, they, they can be read as dandelions. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Keeping it moving with our hockey books. Next up is Kiss and Don't Tell by Megan Quinn. Uh, This book follows our main character, Pacey, who is a professional hockey player for Vancouver, and our female main character, Winnie. Winnie gets stranded in the middle of the Canadian wilderness in a thunderstorm and finds herself standing on the steps of a cabin filled with hockey players. This was a missed opportunity for a great reverse harem. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, if I showed up on that doorstep, it would have been a spit roast. There's no way. (laughs) Like, she, she could have just... They were all single, too. That's the whole reason why they were at the cabin, mm. is because they were single, and it's the off-season. Um, I loved the banter between the guys at the cabin. I, I I, just like it when they're just, like, roasting the shit out of each other and making fun of each other.
0: The group chat was my favorite part, where they were arguing over who was going to be Pacey's best man. And... <laughs> They're like talking about the fact that Tater is yelling in the kitchen because he's so upset about it. it. I love those kinds of interactions in these stories. That's my favorite part.
1: So Winnie is dealing with the loss of her mom, and that's why she is out there. Um, and Pacey is there because he's enjoying all this time with his hockey bros in the offseason. Um, and this book is just it's so funny. It's so funny. And Pacey was like immediately into her. Like she showed up and he was like, yeah, "Me alike. Yeah, he and was, like and she's dibs.
0: She's mine.
1: She, she is so fucking weird. She's so <laughs> weird.
0: There are so many screen caps that I took and sent to Sarah. Like what the fuck? At one point she calls him. What is she? Does she call him a lad? she calls him something I was
1: like what the, she like that's a nice penis sir but like I I get it cause I I'm fucking weird too like the whole when she was like can I get milk and water yeah mixed together <laughs> like breast milk like <laughs> <laughs> like oh. she and I loved her friend her friend was like you can't be going up to a random man's house. You're going to get murdered. I'm like, that's right. You tell your friend. Catherine Catherine
0: was really the best part. She was like, uh, when they were having food delivered, because Pacey was like trying to apologize. And he was sending random deliveries to the house. And her being like, enjoy your arsenic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's like the biggest thing, right? At first, Pacey's like, ah, oh, she kind of looks familiar. She looks familiar, but I can't place it. She actually dated his half-brother, who he has a very tumultuous relationship with. Um, And they were not a good couple together. And she finds out later on that they're brothers and that's upsetting, among other things. Um, And then he has to go on this whole quest to win her back. And all the hockey bros are part of winning her back. Yeah,
0: I really didn't need the whole half-brother storyline. It kind of felt superfluous to me. I would have just been fine with, like, Winnie dealing with her grief and pain from the loss of her mother and Pacey dealing with, like, his head injury and, like, being uncertain of his future. Like, I feel like that provided enough conflict for the story itself without the whole added element of, like, this weird half-brother storyline. I was like, what is the point of this?
1: I, like, if you want sports rom-com uh this is definitely a good one it it definitely and i I will say too like briar You and off campus had me giggling too it had me in some giggle fits
0: yeah i following up on that this next book is also a perfect one for sports rom-com sleet kitten by sj tilly uh this is just so sweet It follows uh, Jackson and Caitlin, who he calls Kitten. Uh, They meet randomly at this political party that was being hosted at Jackson's house. And they both are like hiding out from the crowds. And Jackson just knows immediately that he's, like, full into this girl. And he is, like, sending her packages and wants her to come to his hockey games. And it's just so cute. Like, it's the perfect little romantic comedy. It's a very straightforward romance. There's not a whole lot of, like, deep emotional conflict. Like, it's it's pretty straightforward. And I really appreciate that. It's, like, a good solid read when you need a good pick-me-up
1: it it really is and you know i wouldn't say like the spice level is very high either but there is this scene where caitlin is at his game with her friends and she sat next to this college age kid and i also like that they were older you know they're 30 um and she sat next to this college kid and the kiss cam keeps panning to her and she's like, no, 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 I don't wanna do it. And it pans over to her again, and the kid has his, like, lips puckered up, and Jackson just grabs his helmet and, like, bangs on the glass, and he's like, (laughs) back the fuck up. I read that scene, like, five times.
0: I laughed out loud when that happened and tried to explain it to Andrew, and Andrew was just staring at
1: me. I was like, no, you don't understand. It's so cute. It is so cute. And he just, like, did the cutest things. Like, are you kidding me? Like, could you imagine getting a package... From this super hot hockey player with his jersey and tickets to his game. Oh, that was the whole thing, right? So she got a ticket to his game and she sat next to this sweet older woman and they were just joking around. She was telling her her whole story. It was Jackson's mom. She was out there being a spy kid. (laughs) Spot kid, I love that so much. I also love that she sat down
0: and was like, Okay, we're gonna split this popcorn and this cotton candy, and we're gonna share this beer. And we're gonna (laughs) like, she had this whole game plan of how much junk food they were gonna eat together before they even really knew each other. And I was like, This is perfect,
1: yeah. You know, I really wouldn't say I hate the miscommunication trope, but I don't feel like it was miscommunication, I feel like it was like a series of misunderstandings that kept happening like not Uh knowing someone well enough to understand their mannerisms and things like that I feel like that's really the only issues that they had I
0: will say Jackson is like the perfect man like the epitome of a man written by a woman like his inner monologue and the way he thinks everything through it you're like yeah that's that's not realistic
1: (laughs) yeah i need you to read sleet sugar because he is so tom wilson vibes he Uh. (laughs) he is the enforcer of the team he's the one getting into fights every time she it's um isabel uh who you meet in this first book the coach's daughter that's his Uh love interest um but yeah, he, he, he's getting into fights, and she's sitting there watching, saying, why is this so hot? And I'm like, yes, girl, it is. It is
0: hot, we know, because Tom Wilson exists. But yeah, Ugh. that's
1: who I pictured the entire time, and he was, like, super persistent in that book, too. Like, she only hooked up with him because she thought that he didn't live there. Right. She met him on an online app, met Mm -hmm. him, they hooked up. She had like the best sex ever and thought it was a one-time thing. Come to find out he was actually traded to the sleet. And now she has to be around him all the time. And she thinks that, you know, it can't work out because he's on the team and he doesn't want a serious girlfriend. Yada yada yada. So she winds up going on multiple dates, and her friend just keeps telling him where the dates are, and he crashes every <laughs> single date. Like she's on a bowling date with this really young guy. He crashes it, tells the kid to fuck off. She goes to this wine and paint, which it was like painting vaginas, and <laughs> And he just shows up by himself and crashes the date and he just like actively pursues her so hard. And like this whole time they're worried about her dad and like, he's like, I knew you guys were like into each other, like from the beginning. I don't know what's wrong with you idiots.
0: (laughs) You're super cute. Obviously I need to read that next.
1: Yeah. So I I am going to be reading Sleep Banshee. That is the one I'm the most worried about because she's a little intense. Um... That's the best friend. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, So we'll see. All right. And next we have Make It Sweet by
0: Kristen Callahan. This was such a cute story. It follows uh, Lucian, who had to retire from hockey uh, due to a concussion disorder. And uh, he's dealing with a lot of really hard emotions around his identity and what his future is going to look like. And we also have Emma, who is a professional actress. She's Daenerys got...
1: Targaryen. Just say it. That's exact... She
0: absolutely is based off of Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, who just got killed off of her television show. And she is also dealing with a lack of direction and not sure what to do next. And they both end up at Lucian's grandmother's uh like villa sanctuary where they're both just like trying to recover. And neither of them were looking for a relationship, but they just have this immediate connection with each other.
1: Yeah, there's, like, so much back and forth between the two of them. Like, the tension is so good in this book, Um, and both of them are trying to push it out of the way, but... Lucian cannot stop cooking this woman food, and she has Uh. no idea that it's him, and he, like, makes her just, like, the most special, amazing things, and, like, when he finds out she doesn't like something, he gets a little disappointed, but he's like, I'm never making that for her again.
0: It's so cute. Like, he was trained by his great-grandfather, who was, like, a famous pastry chef in Paris, and he has all of this background knowledge, and it's just... I love the relationship between the two of them. He, if you have listened to any of the podcast episodes, you know that Sarah and I are both huge Washington Capitol fans, and this is the first time when they've, like, actually named a team name, and Lucien plays for the Caps, or he did before he had to retire, so I loved that part.
1: (laughs) I did, too, and then that was, like, the whole thing, like... They finally get... Oh, I squealed. So there was, like I said, there was all of this tension. There was a part when she was out in the pool and he was watching her. And then there was a part where Lucian was naked out in the pool and she just could not help but watch. And this whole time, he knew she was watching and I squealed at that part. I I did too. I was laying in bed reading and I like flipped over and hid my face in the pillow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was embarrassed for her. So was uh, I. But they just, like, could not fight it anymore. Like, they were just both so attracted to each other. Um, and then, of course, there was the conflict of, he wants to go back to hockey because it's so hard when that's the thing that you're known for and that's the thing that you love. Um, Of course, everyone was upset because his health is at risk and she lives in California. She's an actress. And how are they going to make that work if he's out in DC?
0: Yeah, it, it definitely had a lot of very genuine conflict in it where I didn't feel like anything was like it felt authentic. It felt like, okay, I could believe that these two are struggling with these issues. But I really liked it. And I loved, like, the whole baking element. I loved how their relationship developed. I love his grandmother trying to play matchmaker and interfering with the things that they're doing. I, I just really appreciated the entire story.
1: And this one actually has an audio companion on Kindle, which is really nice because c- it's a really good book. Um, and I thought that the audio was done really well.
0: That's good to know. All right. And last series you want to talk about, Sarah, was the All In series by uh, Helena Hunting.
1: Yes. So I listened to most of these. These are also an audio book on Kindle. Um, and this is a great hockey series. There's four books. I have read three of the four. Um, and my favorite that I highly recommend is a secret for a secret. It is the dirtiest out of all of them. And he is a boy scout in the streets and an absolute freak in the sheets. <laughs> and she is the coach's daughter. And it was so hot. Like, he like makes sure he buckles her seatbelt, checks his mirrors, te- you know, like he follows every rule, but when they're in the bedroom, mm, he a naughty boy. Mm. Yeah, that Th- that series is done really well, um, and it just encompasses exactly what hockey romance is all about.
0: Yeah, so I think because Sarah and I are both like real life hockey fans, I think that's why we like hockey romance so much. Plus, just. Hockey guys are hot. Like they're so hello? big. So, like in the fights on the
1: ice, like there's so much testosterone going on down there. Oh. And so many of them are foreign. You know, you've got guys from all over the place that play hockey. Yes,
0: hundred percent. So final thoughts on sports romances. Listen, there are a lot of slow burn sports romances. If that's not your thing, if you can't wait for the peen. There are definitely some faster burn ones, but most of the ones that we talked about in this episode were on the slower burn side. We also couldn't really think of any reverse harem sports romances. So if you know of any like really good reverse harem sports romances you think we should check out, make sure you let us know.
1: Yeah. And like sports needs to be like the main focus because like kings of quarantine they were all on the football team but i wouldn't call that like a sports romance it was like barely mentioned barely like (laughs) i literally forgot that they played football at some point and they didn't even get to play a single game because of the virus
0: yeah exactly so uh sarah and i are down to read whatever sports romance it's very enjoyable for us i know a lot of people are very into uh male male sports romances uh, that's not really something that I don't I think either of us have looked into, but if you have like a good recommendation for that, I'm definitely down for giving it a shot.
1: Yeah. I think, um, him, uh, by L. Kennedy has been on my list for a while. Uh, I just haven't read it yet. I've heard really good things about that.
0: All right. Let's get into what we're reading this week. Almost all of my reading this week was for this episode. <laughs> I did read uh, Kings of Chaos and Queen of Anarchy by Eva Ashwood. Uh, it was decent. I thought some of the plot was a little crazy, but for the most part, I enjoyed the ride for that. Um, and then for this episode, I read Dirty Curve, Longshot, Sleek Kitten, Kiss and Don't Tell, and Make It Sweet. It was all for this episode. So many sports romances this week. Sarah, what have you been reading? <laughs>
1: Uh, so right now I'm reading uh, Cataclysm by Sarah Bailey which is the last book in the Four Horsemen series Um, and I'm excited for you and Ashley to read this I think we could do a really good episode on it Um, I read the first book in the MC Daddies books by Layla Roberts and I really (laughs) liked it Uh, no shame in my game I will probably read the last book in the Sleet series, *Sleep Banshee by S.J. Tilly Um, I have an arc that I need to read and in general just finishing up Heat Haven, uh, which is a novella that Ashley and I have coming out at the end of December.
0: Oh, yeah, I got to do my uh, beta reading for Heat Haven, add my
1: comments. And so it, that's my plan for the future. Yeah, I think you're gonna like it. I think it's different. It's a megaverse uh, where omegas go to a facility for alphas who are members to help them out in their heat. Uh, and there's a bunch of different rooms and kinks and it's gonna be fun.
0: I can't wait all right so our plan for next week uh Ash and I are going to take some time off for the Thanksgiving holiday uh for all of you who celebrate who are located in the U.S. I hope you have a good holiday stay safe if you enjoy your family have a good time with your family if you don't hopefully you're able to avoid them bring your kindle Um, (laughs) and I know for those of you outside the U.S. it's just another regular day so sorry you won't be seeing an episode from us uh thanks sarah for sticking with me during the sports romance episode it's always great having you on
1: yep i loved it i love sports romance if you haven't given it a try you know if you really want that gooey cutesy feeling i've said gooey way too many times but that's how it makes you feel it's just like a warm chocolate chip cookie of cuteness and possessiveness and hot dudes <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we are going to take some time off for the Thanksgiving holiday. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share a podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. Thank you to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin MacLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.